As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only podcast. I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means on Saturday, I watch the Commanders in their preseason over, yes, they lost 23-21. Some good things, though, from the quarterback. Some other curious things happened with the running back room. I'm still here at the stadium and here to discuss everything that went down. Is your favorite local radio host. Maybe your favorite radio host anywhere. I don't know. He is the great Grant Paulson. Uh, Grant, we just watched actual football. No practice. We're not talking about practice. Actual football. Yeah, preseason, so maybe it's not actual football. But it was a game. People were getting hit. The scoreboard moved. That was fun. It seems like this is too many days, but I I looked this up. I actually Googled it to say how many days ago was whatever the last game was. And it's 223 days without being here at FedEx for a football game for me. They played one game the following week. But this was, weirdly to say, it was a blast for me to get back out here, see all you guys that are on the beat working hard covering the team. Obviously watch, as you said, authentic, legitimate National Football League football. And we're a month away from this thing being for real. But I think we actually got a couple of answers on some things we were interested in today. There are still lots of questions. We shouldn't make too much out of this game. But, look, being out here, seeing everything, saying commanders, no longer saying football team, uh, it was a good day. And we turned the page now. Yeah, I mean, great weather, and yes, the the commanders aspect. It's been so long since they changed the name that every time somebody says it's the first game, I'm like, wait, really? It it feels like it's been forever uh, because of just the way that everything's gone down, obviously, over the last few months. But yeah, the stadium, you know, look, I know people just have issues with the stadium. The stadium looks fine from what I could see. New paint, new signage, everybody seems to be happy on that front. Uh, Of course, they'll be really happy if they win games. Again, we don't really care about the result today. They almost won. Sam Howe. Really effective, really a great fourth quarter, two rushing touchdowns, had some nice throws, had a two-point conversion that gave him the lead with a couple minutes to go, but the Panthers drove for a last second, or a, a field goal in the last uh, 24 seconds to go to, to win the game. But I think for the most part, quarterbacks rule the world in the NFL, and between what they got out of Carson Wentz, an efficient performance from him, and Sam Howell, sort of the, ah, okay. Okay, you know, good good job by the rookie. I think if you just want to go, like, ultra positive, I think those, to me, are the two things that really kind of stood out. Totally agree. And quarterback, not only with this team, with every team, is always going to be the most significant 
uh, area you're trying to critique, right? It matters more than anything else. You good? Uh, specific to, you know, Wentz's performance, nothing that lights the world on fire, but coming out of training camp with a lot of dings and knocks on accuracy and on some rhythm type stuff of the offense, I actually thought this was a very progressive step. For the most part, there was ball placement. I didn't think accuracy was an issue. Missed a couple of things, notably down the field, uh, that he could have hit on. But when you go 10 of 13, 74 yards, mostly safe stuff, I thought this was just kind of like laying the foundation. It's a nice starting point, something to build on. I always kind of say in the first week of the preseason, there's nothing you can do as a starting quarterback that makes me feel overly optimistic but you could do something that makes me feel pessimistic and that did not happen but the bigger story to me here is Sam Howell because you do see him in practice I've seen way less of him than you have and I was just really interested to see at this speed Ron Rivera talked after the game about his second string linebackers I think it was and the speed of the game and how difficult that can be when you just haven't experienced it I was talking in the locker room with Jarrett Patterson about how last year it was jarring to him how fast the game was Sam Howell didn't look like a guy that needed to speed up. I mean, he was right there and doing everything he needed to be at the pace that needed to be done. You mentioned the two rushing touchdowns. He was 9 of 16 for a buck 43. He left some things on the field, but I don't know. You tell me, Ben. I, he showed off what is, to me, an above-average arm. He can spin it. We knew he was a good athlete. He could run a little bit. He had seven 100-yard games last year at North Carolina. I come away looking at him as a a nice little backup option over these next couple of years because I really think that he's got all the physical traits that you look for. You know, there are guys who are fifth-round picks because they easily could have been seventh-round picks, and there are guys who are fifth-round picks who slipped the way Sam Howell did. And, look, obviously NFL teams are generally not completely moronic collectively. They all let him go to the fifth round. This obviously was a year where the quarterbacks got pushed back in general. But he was a guy that was projected to be possibly a, the number one pick in the draft going into last college season. There are skills there. The arm strength is real. Like the, the Madden football people say ranked him among top ten for arm strength for whatever for whatever that's worth. By the way, I should mention where Grant and I are sitting in a booth at FedEx Field outside. There are a bunch of fans are out on the field, so that's the the background noise. Uh, just mentioning that in case you were wondering if we were in like our basement or something. A couple of people are like wrapping wires and doing like <laughs> real human work that, is, that needs to be done at the stadium. So yeah, you're hearing all kinds of things behind us. <laughs> right. Um, but he looked at it, and I, I've said this before on the podcast and elsewhere, like in practice, the arm strength is there. He looks in command when he's throwing the ball, no pun intended. Um, you know, he, he looks like he knows what he's doing. I think the, the combination with Kelvin Harmon was probably the most effective one throughout camp to this point um he's obviously doing it against the backups the third not just the backups the backups to the backups and that was effectively the case today but yeah i think for what he's expected to do he did a good job now let's just be clear he's the third string guy i'm curious in the second half of the year if something were to happen would he go in over heineke but that's a whole other topic carson wentz is the starter that's not up for debate and, yeah, he was a much more efficient guy today than we've seen in practice. I, I called it a sort of a, an Alex Smithian, though, type performance. It was in control. He was patient. He worked underneath. The, the, the down-the-field stuff didn't really connect, um, and that's obviously what he's known for with his arm strength. He absolutely loves throwing to the tight ends, even tight ends that nobody's ever heard of. He threw to those guys today a lot. Um, so I think he did fine. He was relatively accurate. You know, he wasn't completely wild the way we've all been sort of tweeting to some degree at camp. Um, so he, I think that was good. 
good a good first step. I will just leave it at that, and, and, and you know, I, I think that was enough for, for now. Yeah, and I think sometimes what happens is, like, everyone tries to make some declaration or has to have their takeaways from the game, and I think it's okay to just say they played a preseason game, and he was fine and did some decent things. Um, I, the, the word I would say is efficient, and I agree with you about Alex Smith. That's a great kind of description for fans who have been around of this team for a few years in that it was the ultimate kind of take what's there don't try to do anything off schedule really one subtle thing that i i did really like about his performance Wentz, i'm speaking about obviously is it when people go back and watch i think they're going to notice that he did a good job moving in the pocket there were at least two maybe three times i noticed where he when he kind of planted on his back foot he would kind of shuck his shoulder around a defender or he would climb the pocket a little bit to get a better lane. That's something Drew Brees was exceptional at. Oftentimes, frankly, it's either smaller guys or guys who have a little bit less arm strength that have that trait. But I thought Wentz today, a couple times it was just noticeable, especially on some thirds. And it wasn't like he reset to throw way downfield. It would be a, a tight, short spiral to a tight end to be named later for three or four yards. Um, but I, that was noticeable. And you mentioned the tight end thing. That is the book on him, right? Is that he throws the tight ends. That's what he likes to do. His first five passes, there was one design screen to Curtis Samuel, and then Armani Rodgers he'd thrown to four times on four consecutive passes. So And just because Armani Rodgers, not Logan Thomas, not right. Kellen Winslow, right. Armani Rodgers, a guy that played quarterback in college last year. He's an undrafted free agent. We're not expecting to make the team. They have so many injuries he had to play, but that just shows how much Wentz looks to that position. He didn't force things to Terry McLaurin or others. He went to the, that position he likes, and, um, yeah, that was that was noticeable. One thing, this is not a knock on the player at all. One disappointment for me, and I'm hoping to get out to the park a couple times this week, but as someone who has not been at practice yet that I was really looking forward to is I wanted to see Jahan Dotson make a play after the catch. And I think a lot of people that came out here were excited to see the rookie kind of get a, a pass thrown his way, make a catch, and do something yeah, with it. zero targets. Yeah. yeah. He, he just wasn't in any way involved to the point where I was almost surprised, like, a lot of this is theater, to be honest. I would have thought they just kind of smoked him a screen at some point. And right. There's 10, 12,000, whatever it was, people here. Some of them have his jersey on. All of them want to see this guy particularly. So I, I really am surprised uh, that he was not w- involved uh, in, in the, the plan necessarily. Again, not a big takeaway for the season, just specific to today. But if you're asking for things that I cared about, it was him. It was Brian Robinson, who I'm sure we'll talk about. And then, honestly, going, coming into the game, it was Sam Howell. And I I really enjoyed my first Sam Howell experience uh, just because he, he seemed to have a little of that moxie. Here's my – I just texted a, a buddy in the NFL at this, and I want to see what you think. My my early Sam Howell take is Taylor Heineke with a better arm, which, which is kind of funny to say. But a couple of the plays he made were very Heineke-y, Heineke-ish. But the problem with Heineke is that he, he lacks, the, from, a, from being a starter standpoint, he lacks the NFL arm, which we know Sam Howell has. So we'll see ultimately what he becomes. Generally, when you're a fifth-round pick, you don't become a starter. Uh, when teams pass on you that much, it kind of tells you what you need to know. So I would bet against it still, just based on history and, and, and uh, precedent. But I'll be pulling for him. He seems like he, uh, he's got some clubs in the bag. The... Uh the instinct for me to go search my Twitter feed to find the tweets I've sent out that say Sam Howell is Tam- Taylor Heineke with a better arm. I'm really trying to suppress that right now because I don't have, I don't, I can't get to my laptop or Twitter feed. So, but I'm with you. That's. Let's. You know what? While you're talking, I'm going to search it. Have you said it before? Oh, a hundred times. 
I, I really like. I thought this was my own big no. creation today. No, because I don't know if I've said it on Twitter, but I've said it in podcasts or could have been even on an afternoon drive time show on 106.7. Who knows? Maybe I'm. You know how sometimes comedians will say a joke, right? And then they won't realize that they actually were in uh, like the comedy cellar when they heard that joke yeah, from yeah, someone yeah. else. All Maybe good. I'm just stealing your line. Look, it's all good, and you know, I, I I agree. That's why when I said before, I'm curious to see if if something were to happen in the second half of the year, right, with Wentz injury or whatever, what would they do because of that aspect? Because Sam Howe gives you more with the arm, but still has some of the mobility that um, that. Uh, that uh, that Taylor Heineke uh, has that first run, the 17-yard scramble. He had some good patience, uh, couldn't find anything, and then eventually uh, made that move. I thought his best play, the run was great for a touchdown. His best play to me, because I'm just a complete fanboy for play extension and off-schedule uh, creativity, when he kind of spun out of a sack, if you remember, in the pocket, it was collapsing around him, kind of spins out of it and rolls out to his left. So it would have been like the top of the field if you were watching on TV. And he reset platform and threw to a wide open, flat footed Alex Erickson, who then turned it up field on a catch and run. And it was, I don't know, they picked up almost 40 yards probably on the play. But while it was their biggest play of the day, I guess it was a, um, I'm looking at it here, uh, 40 yard completion. I thought that was his best play. It just showed, like, to me, what works in this league is. Accuracy, athleticism, you know, play extension, like those are the pillars at quarterback. And it kind of showed all three of those. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk about what's maybe... So look, look, reality is we're, we're at the game. You're watching from the press box. This is not always the best angle to see things. And there's like so many guys shuffling in and out. It's almost kind of hard to know exactly what you saw. So I don't really have a, too many takeaways about like the defense in particular, other than I'll just note that the first three times the, the, the Panthers had a third down uh, opportunity in the first drive, Baker Mayfield in the offense converted all three. Obviously, we know that was an issue last year for this team. So something to, I'm sure will be discussed this week, but I think the one potential takeaway from this game, if we're being realistic, is what happened in the backfield. And that is that on their second drive of the game, Antonio Gibson, after six fumbles last year, put the ball on the ground again. This is obviously a huge issue for him. The offense, you know, the offense, they drafted Brian Robinson for multiple reasons. One was he doesn't drop the ball. He also generally was able to stay healthy at Alabama. So Gibson does that on the second drive. The next drive, Robinson comes in, I think probably for the first time, and immediately takes over the drive. He had 41 combined yards. He's making plays up the middle on the ground. He's making plays as a receiver, you know, had a, had a nice screen pass, got some yards, and then eventually he scores the one-yard touchdown to cap that drive. And uh, I, I'm not, you know, it's conceivable that the, they wanted, they that would have been the rotation anyway. But Gibson then ended up coming back in later. And I'm not going to go so far as to suggest we have a running back competition-y kind of thing here. But I've been stating all along that 
I think Brian Robinson's job, he, he has a specific, specific role, be the tough guy runner inside, and he gives them insurance if Gibson falters either as a fumbler or injuries. You and I talked the other day about the idea that as sort of a, not necessarily, I don't think you're straight out prediction, but from like an upside oddsy kind of standpoint, saying that Brian Robinson could lead this team in rushing. And I told you, I don't think it was crazy. I don't, I definitely don't think it's crazy after watching what we saw today. Yeah. So a few things on that. I mean, let's just start with, yeah, it was, it was, I was doing three bold predictions. So it's not necessarily expected, but things that realistically could happen that I think would make a lot of sense. And my prediction was Robinson to lead the team in rushing. And Really, it's a two-folded take. The first is I really like Brian Robinson. I think he was outstanding in Alabama. They drafted him in the third round for a reason. I think he's going to be a very good kind of one-cut mauler between the tackles in this league. I'm curious to see him um, you know, get outside on the edges and, and maybe do some of the, the outside stuff that they asked him to do and, and see what that looks like as well. But I like the player. But the second part of this, Ben, is... Frankly, it's an indictment on Antonio Gibson, too, for a couple of reasons. He doesn't and hasn't stayed healthy consistently. Even when he has been durable in terms of games played, he's played through injury. Uh, he also has fumbled a lot. He had uh, six lost fumbles uh, last season, which is an outrageously high total and, frankly, is just an unacceptable amount for a bell cow. So I think he's very popular with fans for a few reasons. Namely, he was drafted as a wide receiver, converted to running back, and the idea of him is very exciting. And I understand that. He also was one of seven running backs in the NFL last year that ran for 1,000 yards, which I think gets you some fanfare. The, the problem with just basing your opinion on Antonio Gibson on that anecdote is that he was fourth in carries. I mean, there, there were a couple guys in the league who ran the ball more than him, so he the fact that he was one of seven that ran for 1,000 is actually not a great sign. He should have been like one of three that ran for 1,300 or whatever, just based on his number of carries. Um, if you actually look at the analytics on Antonio Gibson, they're, they're not that kind. I mean, what we can now quantify is how many yards plays are blocked for and how many yards you get. And the difference between what he should have gotten based on blocking and what he got, that ratio for him was one of the worst among running backs in the league. And so you add all that up, they didn't desperately break unwritten rules to keep J.D. McKissick because they felt great about their running back room, right? And then they didn't draft Brian Robinson in the third round because they felt like they didn't need any help. And then he fumbles on his second carry of the preseason. So this is a thing. I mean, I, I'm normally the guy that's like taking the buzzer away from people in the preseason when they want to hit a buzzer. This is a thing buzzer. Right. This is like sound the buzzer. This is absolutely a thing. You were in the presser. You could tell people what Ron said. I mean, he... He didn't even seem to care about the fumble, at least publicly. He was more mad about his running style on the play. And, like, he kind of felt like he was just kind of chilling and dancing around and not getting up the field. But he – I don't know. You, you know Ron better than I do. I, he kind of took him to task, I thought, post game a little bit. Yeah, I, there are times when Ron will, you know, be go in defense mode. I didn't feel that that was the case there. I thought like he was frustrated. But I think part of the – look, not only is this Gibson's third year – you can be a little frustrated in part because he has other options. He doesn't have to just rely on Gibson. Again, I would still say right now Gibson leads the running backs in touches over the course of the year, but he has other options. And I, I, you know, back before the draft, even before free agency, like my tip view was from, you know, thinking about it, talking to people, whatever, that they were going to get another running back because that four-game winning streak last year, they were able to have a lot of ball control and the running the ground game led that way and Gibson was not able to maintain it. Here's the other thing I think, and I hadn't really thought about this till now. 
Carson Wentz is a low percentage quarterback, relatively speaking, to other NFL starters. That's not a knock. That's just what he is. If you're going to have a low-efficient starter, you also can't have a low-efficient running back. And you just talked about the fact that Gibson leaves a lot of yards on the table, or at least he has the last, you know, did last year. So Robinson, based on what he did at Alabama and the little bit we've seen so far, is more efficient in that regard. So I do wonder if if, if the better combination to a degree is with that. And then, then there's J.D. McKissick, who had one of those like J.D. McKissick-type plays today with a, with a catch and gets a little extra off of it. Like, uh, again... I'm, not, I, I'm with you. There's, it's a thing. I, I'm not going to sound the alarm like Gibson's getting benched, but they have other options. They have the inside with Robinson. They have the outside with McKissick, and Gibson is the hybrid, essentially. So what do you do? So, and I, I want to clarify, like, my point is not to say Gibson should be benched. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, that this is now a competition. But I guess my point is, on a scale of Gibson should be the unquestioned one, and these other guys on the depth chart are just here too or all three of them are vying for the most carries or something like to me i think the difference between gibson and robinson is not what a lot of people think that that's kind of my point and in fact i think it's a fairly easy case to make look gibson was a wide receiver at memphis when they drafted him essentially robinson was a dominant running back on a national championship team that ran over sec defenses all year i mean he was terrific at alabama so the, the idea that if, if someone were to say Brian Robinson, better natural ball carrier than Antonio Gibson, someone pushing back on that? I don't think so. So it's not crazy to assume then that opportunities might continue to come his way this year. Gibson, because he's the starter, will have a chance to keep him off the field. It's a rhythm position. If you're out there on 12 carries going for 76 yards and a half, well, guess what? Ron Rivera is going to keep feeding you. But if you fumble, if you, you you're leaving things on the field, Robinson's going to get a chance. And I guess my point is just that I think fans should acknowledge, and many of them probably will as this preseason goes on, that it it's not like Gibson because he ran for 1,000 yards last year. It's, it's just some like above-reproach option in the backfield. I, I think this is, by the end of the preseason, I, I think we're going to have a real conversation about Gibson versus Robinson. I would agree. Um, like I said, it, it, it you know it's hard to... I, I, have uh, too many takeaways because things were moving so fast and I got to start writing in the sec in the second half and all these things. Anybody else for you anywhere kind of stood out good or bad or, or uh, just anything comes to mind. We'll just note that Benjamin St. Juice did not play Rivera said he had some hamstring tightness. This is after he said he was going to play when we asked him about this on Thursday. So that, that uh, took away one of their effectively starting Corners. Danny Johnson played a bit more. Uh, but anybody else for you in any uh, way, shape, or form stand out? Yeah, I guess thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, I've always liked Jeremy Reeves. I, I just think he's a good football player. I could see him just being a great asset on teams and plays a little defense for years to come, Reed Dowdy style. He came on a blitz, and it probably honestly was like, you know, master's level blitz for this time of the preseason. They went zero, and he came, and, and the Panthers looked like they'd never seen it before, and possibly because the guys that were in the game never had. But Jeremy Reeves got to the quarterback and got a sack as part of a three-tackle performance. I just think he's a, he's a player. And whether it's here or somewhere else, that guy should be in the National Football League. I've always liked him. Yeah, I talked to him after the game in the locker room. He had the blitz. We went through that, and he talked about how 
you know, it, you could see the replay on that one. He had some real good patience waiting. He disguised it. He said he was talking with Percy Butler to make it look like that he was, like, focused on coverage. And then as he saw an opening on the snap, he went and obviously made the play. But I said to him, uh, you know, how are you feeling? Because, like, we've been down this route with you before. You're right there kind of on the edge, and it's kind of gone the wrong way. He said he feels He says he feels better. He feels like he's got more confidence. You know, I, I'm sure he's not putting the cart before the horse on making the team. They've got two young safeties in Percy Butler and Derek Forrest, so they would probably have to keep a fifth in order for him to stay. But, you know, he, I think he's done a good job so far. You know, th- it's not like they have a ton of other options at safety, so the question is just simply, do they keep the fifth safety probably or not? And they're so thin at linebacker. Sometimes your inside linebacking depth is where your special teams comes from that maybe you keep him as a, again, a special teams ace type, um, like a DeShazer Everett of the past might have been. <clears throat> who's no longer here, obviously, and, and that linebacking position not being stronger on the second, third units maybe benefits him in some way. Um, but I also think he's done enough, and he's got enough film in the regular season from the last couple of years that if he were to get cut here, he probably feels like he'll land on his feet somewhere with a team that hasn't drafted safeties in the mid to late rounds the last couple of years. And then one other thing I found interesting, not a big deal at all, and, and certainly not saying that this guy played badly, but Kelvin Harmon who I'd heard a lot of good things coming out of practices. He had three targets and no catches and had a chance to make a huge catch. Uh, There was a deep shot down the sideline that was, uh, I think it was from Sam Howell. And it would have been uh, Howell's kind of first big play of the day. It was thrown 40 yards in the air. And Harmon kind of went up, had his hands on it. Problem was, he ended up having to play popcorn, and he stepped out of bounds, and it ended up being called incomplete. It was just one of those moments where when you're fighting and scratching and clawing for a roster spot at the back of the depth chart, you got to make plays like that. And uh, after a great start to camp, and he'll get more opportunities, you know, you look, he had the second-highest target total of the day behind McGowan with three targets. He was tied with Erickson and Milne, and he was the only guy on the team that was targeted that didn't have a catch. So I'm sure he's kicking himself a little bit after that could-be big play. For, for 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 sure and by the way like to that end like the, the the sixth receiver spot that's like one of the spots that Seward Horta open it's probably going to go to a returner the first two kicks they didn't get past the 20 and Rivera when he started his press conference said it was infuriating that was the harshest he was right infuriating to to discuss that uh, the first one of the kicks I think it was Kyrick McGowan he was like eight yards deep in the end zone brought it out both kicks Returns got to the 18. So that's the type of thing when you're talking about the, uh, the guys with these opportunities. It's those type of moments that really can, you know, they only have so many games here. But there's only three games. So these are the opportunities, especially on special teams. To practice, you know, I'm sure Nate Katzer would disagree with me, but it's only so much you can do in the return game uh, when, when you're not uh, out there. All right, last thing. I, this, is a, this is the definition of bearing the lead. Uh, Grant had a reveal today in the press box. And uh, it led to a huge moment. According to Grant, a man who knows his way around some some snacks, he had never had a Cheeto in his life. And then uh, I believe Mitch Tischler had some next to you, and you were like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it." And it was like watching like it was like watching me as a six year old trying to eat spinach at first. It's like uh, I'm really doubting this. I'm really questioning this. You you, you braved it. You toughed it out. And and what was the result? I think the Cheeto is probably close to an average snack. Uh, it's not something that I'll probably eat again, but like by choice, if there are chips or pretzels around that I prefer. But it wasn't terrible. My assumption was that it was going to be an awful, awful, disgusting thing. Because I hate 
the look of it, the color, the texture, the like that. You know that airy kind of crunch where there's nothing to it, and yeah. it's like almost like uh, communion wafery or something. I don't know how to describe it, but like there's nothing to it, but it's orange. See, I hate um, like cheese puffs or cheese doodles, if you know what those sure. are. See, I, I, I'm with you on there. The cheese doodle, that, that's really, it's like cotton candy. There's like nothing yeah. to it. No, the Cheetos, the only thing with the Cheetos is it's kind of messy in your hand, but the taste, I mean, I don't do it very often, but it's very good. It, Ahead. Well, so that and that was kind of my thought was, I thought it was very like cheese doodly, and I put them all into a kind of a drawer. And, and for me, I don't reopen drawers after I filed it away. Like I didn't ever eat at the Cheesecake Factory uh, until I was an adult because I thought it was just a factory where they made cheesecake. And like on an assembly <laughs> line, it was just a bunch of cheesecakes, and I hate cheesecake. I thought that too twenty years ago. The, the first the, when they opened. Like my the, the way I would describe my personality as someone would be to say that like. I have never inv- I would never investigate it. I just I assume it and then and it is. So like one time I, I actually was going out with someone and uh, this is years ago in, in like college and they're like let's go to Cheesecake Factory and I'm like ah oh, I, I don't do cheesecake and they're like okay well do you want to go to che-? and I'm like no but you know it's, we can if you want to but for me I'm I'll do something else and and they're like that's not cheesecake like you could get cheesecake as a dessert so then i went there and it was incredible i'm like oh like my the menu God. was like 87 pages Literally, yeah it's the biggest it's a freaking bible shape you know it's it's 400 pages so it's the best so i loved it so my whole point in saying this is i i I'd filed them into i'm never gonna eat this mitch found this out he went and got a couple bags he kind of wouldn't leave me alone about it so i ate one oh, we were all pestering you because yeah. it was I mean, chris russell was sitting next to you it was lucky for russell that you were there because normally we just pester him right. about whatever he's doing this time we focus on you we'll save your other thing we found out today that you're not a fan of cool ranch doritos i can't i can't even get into that right now we don't have enough time uh to get into that uh grant appreciate it go, go of course listen to grant on uh 106.7 monday to friday i can't keep track of the time 2 30 to 6 6.30. 2 to 6.30. 2 to 6.30. You'd think I would know this by now. It's, it, really, it's I fine. can't keep track. Four and a half hours. It's it's way too long to even know. But yes, 2 to 6.30. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. You got it. Okay, I wanted to uh, get into uh, something else off of on the football side of things to the business side. Uh, team president Jason Wright spoke with a small group of reporters before the game to give us some updates on what's happening with the business side. Obviously, you know, there's always a lot going on on that end and not talking about the Dan Snyder of it all per se, but rather getting updates about what's happening at the stadium, how are ticket sales going, things along those lines, including the stadium. Actually, let's just start with the stadium. Nothing particularly uh, new here other than that Jason Wright said the projected timeline to be in a new stadium remains in 2027 despite the fact that they have obviously had setbacks this year unable to yet secure a situation he said they are still ongoing talks with officials in virginia maryland and dc he basically said though dc is going nowhere until congress uh gives dc control of the land at the rfk stadium site he said in general he feels quote, closer, end quote, to a resolution. So, you know, we'll see about that. But, the, you know, and as a reminder on the 2027 situation, the lease ends then basically through the 2026 season and they get out sometime by 2027. But they can extend that whenever they want. They're, you know, and that's not really the issue. The hope is for them that they can find a new place 
Uh, they're not there yet. On the business side, just for some numbers for you, Jason Wright said that they have sold more tickets this year than they did throughout 2021. That's primarily a boost of ticket of uh, season tickets. Uh, said suite revenues and season tickets in general are up. So uh, good for them on that one. He said that he's anticipating currently a 15% bump in ticket sales for the week one game against Jacksonville. Uh, He also said that despite all the sort of negative attention out there, that they are anticipating more sponsorship revenue than they've had since 2005. They are still without a beer a major beer sponsor, uh, and and there will be a sports book situation here. Probably, oh, well, I don't know. They didn't give it a, a, a dateline. They're working through the Maryland system. Things to be seem to be progressing on that front. Um, in addition, new fight song. If you've been paying attention, they gave fans a vote, an option to vote. They basically took the old song. They just changed a couple of of, of a couple of words. Basically, the one with quote, fight for our commanders, end quote, is the one that, the, the winner, they debuted it today. You'll, you'll recognize the music. You, you'll pick up the words uh, soon enough. You can also vote on a fan mascot. The four categories were, were picked today. I, I don't have it in front of me. It was, I think it was like hogs, dog, superhero, and honestly, I forgot what the last one was. Whatever, you can go find it, I'm sure, on the website. Uh, there'll be... The four categories will eventually get down to two. Once they get down to two, then they will, within those two, have some type of uh, specific options there. They will eventually announce a winner during halftime of the January 1st game against uh, Cleveland. A couple other notes here on this. Uh, You know, Jason Wright talked about the fact that, um, you know, there have been challenges here, of course. He called it, quote, ghost of Christmas past. But, you know, obviously they weren't naive to the situation when they all took these jobs. And, you know, he believes they're, they're working through it. Um, and again, you guess if, if, if you take a look at those sponsorship numbers, uh, you know, in particular, that seems to be a positive sign. That's what he's telling us, uh, you know. So so you can go, you can take that one from, from there. All right. And lastly, um, Jason Wright was asked about his tweet that he sent off on Friday regarding an interview that uh, Scott Abraham, our friend with WJLA, did with Carson Wentz, in which one of the questions uh, that made its rounds on social media was Scott asking Jason Wright, or sorry, Scott asking Carson Wentz about the fact that this is his third team in three years. And he phrased it, I don't have the exact quote, but basically he phrased it as, that Philadelphia didn't want you, Indianapolis didn't want you, and is this like basically your last chance to be a starting quarterback? Uh, the question itself is totally reasonable. Carson Wentz has been asked this in various ways already by you know by, by reporters. We asked him questions, a lot of tough questions in his in, in, first press conference, or not tough, but like fair questions, and he's answered them fine. I thought he handled himself here fine. I don't really think this was that big of a deal, but it became a big deal when the team president. Uh, makes a public statement about it. Uh, when asked about it today, Jason Wright said he really didn't have any issue with his own response, um, even with 24 hours to think about it. He said he did it because he believed, quote, uh, he, or sorry, he believed it was, quote, appropriate to defend our guy and stand up for our team 
in a direct and equivalent way. Uh, he went on to say that, you know, there's no, you know, they can take criticism, but it needs to be done respectfully. Again, I, I think Scott's question is totally fine. I, you know, was he a little bit aggressive with it? Yeah, I think that I think so. I've talked to Scott about about my, my thoughts on this. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a TV person. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not you know, I'm not he, he you know, there's a bit of theatrics to that situation as we all get it. Right. That's that's sort of the the deal for that love for that kind of entertainment or that kind of news. So I don't know what to say about that aspect of it. It was very odd for Jason Wright to say uh, to say anything about this um, publicly. And, you know, I, I would just say in general that I think that the media core here we're pretty respectful. I mean, there is a lot, obviously, that goes on with this organization. It would be easy to take pot shots over and over and over again, and I don't think anybody does that um, for the most part that I can think of. So I don't know. It was just a cur- it was a very curious situation. Uh, hopefully, Scott and Jason can find some sort of resolution here um, and move forward. But uh, you know, it was discussed, it was asked, and maybe I'll have more to say on it on some other day. But I just want to get this podcast up now. But I did want to mention that it was discussed. All right. Uh, that is it for this episode of the standard room only podcast. Thanks to Grant Paulson for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Uh, if, you, if you've gotten to this point, I do have a story up on the athletic. David Aldridge has one up as well from the games. So you can check that out on the athletic, but that is it for now. Ben Standick signing off and until next time. See ya.